Welcome to episode 8 of our podcast, Sages Retreat, home of all things dad and games related, with current events along with anything else we can think of. My name's Nathan, and this is my co-host Lee. Hello there. And today we are joined by our guest, Russell. Hello. And he's here to give us his views on fatherhood and gaming. So to start things off, Lee has some icebreaker questions for you. Russell, hi. Lee, hello. How are you doing? This is our face to face. So we've spoken obviously before playing uh, playing yeah. Elite Dangerous. Um, probably not That's for about yeah. probably not for about a year, I suspect. Uh, yeah. Maybe even a little bit longer. I don't. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's great to see to see the face. It's 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 there. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the I've seen the the stills on on Facebook, obviously. But uh, this this face to face. I'm disappointed, Lee. No, it's no. I was I was already massively disappointed. It couldn't have got any worse, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is fantastic. Um, so obviously we're um, we're geared a lot towards uh, games, um, but we like to cover other stuff as well. A lot of the podcasts. I don't know whether you did. Have you caught any of them by any chance? Have you had a little listen? Yeah, I saw I saw the one. Uh, I think I saw your last one. I think I watched the first like half an hour when I had got half an hour free to do oh, something in my spare time. So the last, so the last one was listen while they're washing up. I think the last <laughs> one was with um, Adam. Is that, is that the last one? That I think that's was Adam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Adam Paul. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Great talking to Adam. He's hilarious. That like, made me laugh from the start, and it was just it was a mess. Ever. <laughs> it was just like all right. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we're covering games mostly, but then we're obviously looking at some other topics. And the reason we have guests on. Is because uh, me and Nathan are very sort of like stuck in our ways with our game. It's great to hear someone else's opinion. What you've, I mean, you're you're only what you forty three, forty three, yeah, forty three, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're a smidge older than me. So I mean, we're basically you know more or less the same. Um, I'm forty one. So yeah, growing up, we would have probably hit those similar console uh, milestones at the same time. Um, Nathan would have been yeah. a, a little bit later. He was born in '86. He's just a baby. Um, so his experience has been <laughs> has been a little bit different, but um, still, we put, we did play a lot of the same games uh, growing up. It's just that he was he was younger. So um, we're gonna go go back a few years i know it's difficult when you get older it's harder to go back you go back but what started you off what was that game that system what did you play and then go what is this 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 and what grabbed you to begin with it's probably it was probably i didn't really do consoles till till later on um i probably came well i came in probably at the playstation when the playstation so i suppose i did do consoles, but none sort of before that I always had, um, before that, I had, uh, if I walk back through what I had, that'll remind me of the games I played, I think. So before that, I had Commodore 64. This is when people, it was was pretty obsolete at the time, but it's all I could really afford. So I had a Commodore 64 for a bit. And before that, I had um, an Acorn Electron. Acorn Electron. Yeah, I was on in the PC what they were then the pc sort of gaming side of things right at the start because my first gaming experience was a vic 20 which is another commodore machine i think i've seen um, you mention this you've when yeah, yeah. liking gaming dads are you selling the gaming dads group yeah, yeah on on and off yeah yeah I, so I, I, uh, pop in rile, rile them up a bit jump out that kind of thing you know? <laughs> that's your style we love it russell we love it so yeah, yeah. every now oh, and well, again one five post gets through pretty much <laughs> <laughs> 
I think when people have said, um, what was your first game in? And then they've all, because a lot of them are a lot younger, aren't they? A lot of them are like, oh, PlayStation, PlayStation, or whatever. And it's like, Jesus, PlayStation was your first. And then you've gone, I've had this, this bloody, and I'm like, what is that, a calculator or something? And like, you've, you've mentioned it. And um, I've looked yeah. it up and I've gone like, Jesus, that's a, from years yeah, ago. 1983 or something like that, I think. Something like wow. that, 1983, that would have been. And my first memory of that related to games is I was a, in bed asleep. And my dad come up, woke me up, brought me downstairs because they were just about to complete a game that they'd been playing all day on on the Vic Twenty, and ah. it was a, it was I found it the other day on YouTube, and I forgot what the name of it is again now. But essentially, it's just very basic buildings on screen across the bottom, and you're a plane flying across, and you have to drop bombs on it, and each bomb drop takes out a bit of the city. But each time you go across the screen, your plane drops down a row. So the idea is to bomb the buildings, um, so you've got uh, so you don't crash into them, and then keep going. And then, but they've been trying it all day, and I've been watching. I had to go to bed. My dad came up, woke me up, got me downstairs to to watch it because he was just nearly finished, and he did it. He managed it. The plane landed. The guy gets out, waves, and flies off. I remember that's like, this. Yeah, that's my I've, first memory really of games and things. I've I hundred percent remember this game. It remind you know what it reminds me of a Reverse Space Invaders. Yeah, you know, yeah, like you know, like because they would come down. It's the same as like your yeah. That is, it's literally a reverse space. Down bit. Every time you across yeah. the street, you drop down a level, and if you come down too far, you'll hit the buildings. You, you've missed bombing, so you have to bomb them sort of as you go and not miss. Yeah, or if you crash and it's game over, you start again. It's a brilliant I concept for a game. Cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll look at it. I'll tell you what, I'll I'll have a look if I can find it. I'll insert it into the the video um, probably about now. Yeah. And if I don't, if I don't, they'll just be like me going about now. But I will have a look and I'll see if I can find it. I think I found it, but I just put it into YouTube Vic Twenty Game Bomber Plane Buildings or something, and it came yeah, up, um, and then it, it popped up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was it. But I mean, I wasn't really. I can't really remember. I mean, that's my first memory. But I mean, the first sort of games I played were on the Acorn Electron for me. So it's like um, the original Elite game. I remember been loads of hours in that with the wireframe graphics and uh, all so that. So you potted around with the original Elite game? Oh, like, yeah. I like, played that a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I remember seeing it on a, on a PC, but never playing it. I feel like I've seen it and been like, what is that? And me just kind of going, I have no idea what that is. And I was definitely more console when I was when I was little. Do you remember it, Nathan, the, the original? Uh, I, I, I think I remember someone having it. And it come, did it come with like a really big, like Argos catalogue instruction manual? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It had like a, had like the, it had like a fold-out uh, wall chart of all the ships mm. and stuff and all that business. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want that now. Yeah, I'll, put, I'll put it on my wall if I can get a fold out elite. Yeah. It's like a big poster. That would be amazing. Poster with all the ships on and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think yeah. we miss that. We miss that from games, don't we? Because very often now you buy a game online and you download it, and then yeah, when you do that, yeah. I mean, I think I mi- I do miss the uh, the brick and mortar store. The going to, you know, even even game now for me doesn't have anything for me really. Like yeah. you go, I but the enjoyment of going to game or game station or whatever it was at the time and rummaging through boxes and then you know taking it home and opening it up and then it, it you know you'd have your cartridge or, or whatever it was and then you'd have an instruction manual and then yeah. you'd look through and you'd be like okay so it's this button to jump it's very basic but i i miss that a little bit yeah, yeah. Um, but i think 
I kind of I think I miss it in the same way that I kind of miss cassette tapes. Like you don't you don't really need them. That it doesn't give that much. But it's just it's just an old. It's like books, isn't it? The same. I, I mean, I like having books. I like reading from a book. But then it's far more easier now to read like a, on a Kindle or something like that, like a you know elect, an electronic book or something like that. I mean, I, it is. I subscribe to uh, what is it? Um, well, what's the subscription one now for Audible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. to Audible um, uh, for that for a bit, and then cancel. It got a bit too expensive, but it was great. You know, you get like a free book, and they're charging like twenty five quid for it or whatever on there. You get it free, listen to it. So it got built quite a big library of those for a while. I'm not listening to all of them yet, either, but I still prefer reading a book at the end of the day, you know, and, and the smell of the book and all that business. It's, it, it, it's much more satisfying, I think, in a way to have that physical thing. However, with the games and things, I know what you're saying, but I mean, the amount of arguments I've got into on gaming dads with people like that um, seems to be a, stronger in the console sort of gamers than the PC gamers. I don't know if you've noticed that with this hard copy versus digital library uh, sort of argument that goes on. And to the PC gamers, we tend to be more towards the digital side of things because things like platforms like Steam and stuff like that, it's just far easier, isn't it? I think for me, I prefer digital with the games purely for a practical reason that I don't have anywhere to stick all those boxes now, uh, those cases and maps yeah, and books and things. Yeah. And if I have them out, no matter how hard I hide them or where I put them, guaranteed the kids will get to them and they'll just wreck them because they wreck their own stuff all the time, their discs that they have and things yeah. for my, yeah. my lad, my older lad, he has a, a switch, but the amount he's he's lost about three of the cartridges because they're tiny, aren't they? The cartridges he's lost yeah. about I think I booted them up or something, but he, he's lost like three <laughs> or four games to be bought in. When he had like a Wii U before that, he um, the dish just got scratched all the time because they just they're only kids, they don't know how to look after them, do it properly. You try try and show them teaching, but they forget and and, and uh, they wreck the games and they do that to my stuff. So uh, for me, digital's better. Because it just means that I, I retain that uh, in its sort of well, in a playable style, you know, a playable fashion. I can play it anytime. I kind of like it. Yeah, totally valid points. To be fair, kids do. I mean, do wreck stuff. And even from when I was a teenager, if you had a CD, I think to be honest, I think a CD as a format is rubbish. It's yeah, one yeah. of the worst formats that's that's come out. Because um, you drop a CD on the floor, like I've, I've yeah. done it before, where I've dropped one on the floor and then I've trod on it straight away. And then I've scratched it along the floor, and I've just been like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> you just pick it up, and it's like, "Yeah, no, you just—it's just—it's just a piece of plastic from them on, yeah, from then on, it. isn't it?" Um, do you I do. When they come out, remember when they first come out, and they said CDs, you can put, you can put, you put jam and butter on them, you can scratch them, you can chuck them around your room. They're amazing. They'll still play. They're not like a tape all delicate and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like a tiny little scratch on, and it doesn't work. <laughs> it's like yeah, I mean. Light. <laughs> we could go. I'd like to see a return back to um, like cartridges. You know, as a yeah. as a hardware, cartridges yeah. are ultimately. I mean, now they could all be like they could all be full of you know um, a few gigs worth of memory. You could just put them in a console. It would instantly yeah. read it. How quick yeah. did um, a console game load? You plug in your SNES, your Mega Drive, it like bam, the game's on. No messing yeah. about it because it's just it's just um, you know it's non movable yeah. hardware. It's just it's just like it's like having an SSD in a PC. Pop it, yeah. pop it in, bang! It's on straight away. Yeah. But with, you know, with a CD, you'd have a loading time, and then if you had a slight smudge on it, your loading would would fail. Then you'd have to clean it. I know we had the old blow in the console, the cartridge, but you know that's that was just part and part of it, wasn't it? You picked up, get some of that, bang it in. 
But um, what are you playing? Um, what are you playing now? Oh God, um, uh, I, I, I'm a bit of a butterfly with my games, and I've got to the point now with my games where I've got so many through like humble bundles, through Epic giving ones away for free, through ones I bought in sales. That my issue now is when I go on, it's choosing what to play. And then I kind of get disheartened after half an hour flicking through things. Yeah. And I'll sort of settle on one game to play. I'll jump in and then um, I'll start thinking, oh, it's all right, but I wonder what that game's like. I'll have another go at that one. So I have a go at that one. And I do that for like, I play like a game for half an hour, put it away and go and play another one. I do that a lot these days. So I'm jumping around. I mean, I play, obviously, you know about the Blood Bowl side of things. That's an ongoing thing. Um, so I'm playing a lot of uh, Blood Bowl 2 at the moment, but I have been doing for a while i've tried to i've come back to elite a little bit uh i've been on i don't even know i've been in in a, a, for a couple of hours here and there um because of the new expansion that's coming out i'm quite interested in getting back into it for that plus i've got a mate as well i've started gaming with um uh who's uh, a friend of mine in real life and is in the blood bowl league and everything as well um okay. home educator, fellow home educator all this all this business our kids play together and stuff so He's got um, he got elite in the epic giveaway uh, copy of it, so I'm trying to get him into it so we can play that uh, <laughs> together. But we've been playing a lot of Division Two as well as sort of co-op. So I suppose I suppose I've been doing more sort of co-op gaming. I've been playing so Blood Bowl Two, um, Division Two, and then um, I've been playing a, quite a bit of Total War as well recently. So I've been going Total back War, to yeah. uh, Shogun Two. I'm I'm sort of toward i mean end game of a, a game of that at the moment uh and i've started up a, a total war attila game as well uh recently so yeah back to the so strategy side uh yeah total war sort of more sort of action sort of game shooter division two and then blood bowl two for strategy again i suppose yeah have you tried speaking of shooters have you tried um the call of duty Warzone? no I'm not massive on Call of Duties. I'm not massive on on those games. I'm not good enough. I'm, I get frustrated. I had okay. this with um, what's the one on EA games that they did? Um, Apex. Legends. Apex. Yeah, Apex. Yeah, I played that for a bit, and then I really wanted to get into it. I kind of liked the style. I kind of liked the idea, but it just frustrated me because it, it. I just I just get owned all the time. I'm rubbish at I'm rubbish at those sort of games, the shooters and stuff. I, the pure on um, uh, sort of survival shooters, not great at. Uh, so no, no, I've never really. Yeah, I've seen the Call of Duties and all this stuff, but I've not really. It doesn't really. I'm just not good enough at them. Is what I'm trying to say. I think. The um, <laughs> so me and Nathan have played quite a lot of uh, Warzone, specifically one of the modes called Plunder, and it's fun. I mean, would you agree, Nathan? Yeah, I, I don't really like Call of Duty games, but I do like that one. Um, that's it's weird because it's not that mode. It's not just killing people. It's like collecting money because it's whoever whoever gets a million first, basically. And oh. we're quite good at that. I'd like to think. Um, yes. Not, not yeah. as good in Warzone. I'd, I've never had a win because um, I'm I'm rubbish. I, I use a control pad, so I'm already at a disadvantage straight away. But I <laughs> I do like. It. I would recommend giving it a go. Um, just just for that plunder mode. I mean, it's free. But it does. I'll look at it. Is it free? That's the other question. The big question. Yeah. Is it free? <laughs> yeah, it's free. That, that's the. That's one of the reasons I play here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's Warzone. I'll have a look. Um, yeah, so I, I did a 
Apex for a bit, but it's just one thing I don't like is the um, one thing that turns me off about those games is the um, is the jumping mechanic in them. When they're jumping around, like poking around like kangaroos when you're trying to shoot them. Yeah. I like a I like a bit of immersion in my games, and it just breaks immersion completely when you're trying to shoot someone's just jumping about, you know, around yeah. around the landscape where you're trying to shoot them. It's like, well, yeah, it just it just annoys me, and and then they kill me, and then I get frustrated, and then I was, uh, and then I go, then you have that. Oh, let's go again. I'll try one more time. I'll try one more time. But after a bit, it's just you're ready to throw your keyboard through the window, aren't you? I just think I'll, I'll play. I'll go and play a single player game, which, which I'm good at. <laughs> yeah, because you can flick it too easy, can't you? You can you can play it to your own sort of ability. Never, never do that. Never do that. No, no, of course not. <laughs> I, I, when it comes to single player games, I often don't have it on a difficult level because I just like to get immersed in the story and enjoy it. Um, I treat a lot of single player as as stories as opposed to games. Um, back to Warzone, I actually play the plunder mode with my wife so yeah. she's she's on xbox and then i'm on pc and we're actually because you can cross play with it and we play together and we've we've probably uh, especially because of the whole lockdown thing we've probably communicated more and sort of had more of um i don't know like positive your fight though does it cause arguments because i no. game, i came with my missus and um <laughs> I think it depends what you play. I mean, with plunder, just think of it as Call of Duty: you run, you shoot, you pick up money. I mean, it's very basic. So I, I know she plays on control pad, and she's not, she's not as good as what I am. So I understand that the tactic is basically this stems from Nathan's tactic, which is uh, brilliant: is if you're in trouble, throw down landmines. So yeah. what happens is if, so what Nathan's tactic is. And it's, it's brilliant. Um, is one of the extra like uh, sort of uh, equips that you can have, which is a lethal equip- equipment, is a landmine. You can have like a grenade, uh, Semtex grenades. There's all sorts. But the landmine is brilliant because if someone's chasing you and you're like, oh, I'm not, you just run away. Chuck, especially if you run around a corner, you run yeah, around yeah. that corner, you drop it. They're not thinking about what's on the floor. They're just like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're focused. <laughs> and the next thing they know especially if you've already, let's say, landed a few shots, if you can knock down their armour, because there's yeah. the health bar and then there's an armour level, if you yeah. can knock down the armour, they're, they're gone. The amount of times that Nathan or even Karina, my wife, has gone, oh, they've got me, and then you just hear this, where <laughs> the lamb... <laughs> it's more satisfying than killing them with a gun. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. you know that they're just I've like yeah. <laughs> just like oh my god <laughs> um, but it's like a lot of players early on would use rocket launchers and you don't see it so much now it's it's very similar like if you kill someone with a rocket launcher it's very satisfying but at the same time the other player is just going to be so frustrated because it's such a yeah, cheeky yeah. way cheeky way of, of, of attacking people uh, is there anything you're looking forward to with with gaming? You've mentioned Odyssey, which we've covered. Well, we've not covered uh, in depth that we spoke about before. We're um, me and Nathan are both quite excited about that. I thought but, you guys might be excited by that one, to be honest with you. <laughs> but Nathan is Nathan. I'd say is a little bit more. I think um, holding back on his excitement, a yeah. little bit more hesitant because been disappointed before. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean I'm looking forward to. Um... Uh, in fact, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, is it? That was looking good to yes, me. I've watched is, all yeah. the videos. Now, that one crept up on me. I didn't. I knew it was coming out, and, and I'd not really paid it much attention. But then um, 
someone mentioned it in a discussion to my to my um to my partner actually she was talking about it might have been in the in the wives gaming the gaming wives or something like the gaming women or what it's only got about games six games people in it it's only got about six people in it, hasn't it? Is that she struggles one? in that. She well, she dips into it, and she's always she always complains about it because um, she just says they're not games. They're just like posting about Candy Crush and stuff like this. When she's God. mentioning games, they're like they've just poo pooed her, and she's not happy about it. So she, me and her play a lot of um. And I forgot to mention we play a lot of um Guild Wars Two together. We cover up that. We both have an account. We run around and play Guild Wars Two. Um, so she's mentioned that, and they sort of they were just like. Sort of rolled their eyes and said it was pay to win, which it isn't, and and wouldn't talk to her about it. So she said, oh, what's the point being in this group? So she she didn't. But I think there's a discussion where a couple of people have joined. You started talking about like proper games, um, and she was talking about Guild Wars Two, and they said, well, we're sort of put that down. We're we're um, playing Division Two now. They said, and uh, but we're waiting for Cyberpunk 2077. She said, do you know about that? What the misses to me. I said, I've heard about it. Sure, should, should we have a look? So we had a look on YouTube, and we're both like. Yeah, so it was really good, man. So yeah. uh, I think she's talking. She's talking about getting a copy each. So I'm like, okay, we could do that. I suppose we could wangle it. Um, so she's really excited, but I haven't broken it till yet. There isn't any multiplayer in it <laughs> until that, that a year's time or something. They're going to yeah. put some. Yeah, I think I think they're blowing it up a little bit. I think the excitement for the, the Cyberpunk game that's coming out is, um, I think, it's a bit high. I think people are are expecting a lot from it, and I kind of feel that it's going to let a lot of people down. Um, Did you I see? I saw. I saw a Jim Sterling about it because he put it back four weeks. The developers got death threats. Yes, people because he put it back four weeks. What is that? <laughs> guarantee they're in. Guarantee they're in gaming dance. Yeah. Um, the um, the big disappointment for me with Cyberpunk is um, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah. And. I feel that it's gone from being a very... In- I've mentioned this with Nathan before and he's just sort of laugh at me and I can't remember whether you agreed with me or not. He's um, a plus for me in that. A- I love Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I think I he's do. brilliant. I like I like the John Wick characters he's played, the Matrix, uh, all, all the other stuff. But that, what did the new... The new, um, the, Bill and, the new Bill and Ted film for me was a bit of a disappointment, but I enjoyed it, but... Uh, so that's another never topic. the same, is it? It's never no, the same. Yeah. Never the same. So I'm I'm looking forward to Cyberpunk. I'm like watching watching the little trailers, and there was like an hour's playthrough, wasn't there? Of like uh, like a bit of a teaser playthrough, like maybe about a year ago, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. And, seen uh, yeah, and it was like suddenly Keanu Reeves in it, and of course all the the basic fanboys are all like raving about oh Keanu Reeves, oh, John Wick, oh. and I'm like, calm down, just have a little think about it. Because for for me, I'm not the only one. I have found other people that agree, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm all right with this. <laughs> For me, it's gone from a an interesting dystopian cyberpunk kind of like blade runnery, glowy kind of neon like Tokyo that awesome look to oh, yeah. it's now a Keanu Reeves game. All oh, right, okay. And I didn't want yeah. a Keanu Reeves game. If no. he appeared, if he appeared in it for like, oh, there he is. He work maybe he works at the bar and you get missions off him or something. I'm like, I'm yeah. fine with that. But then it was like, yeah. oh no, now he's going to be a big part of it. And I just got sadder and sadder and more <laughs> fed up with the idea of Keanu Reeves in it. And it's kind of ruined it for me. And I'm oh. not entirely sure I want to buy it now. And oh. <laughs> after looking around, thankfully, I found some other people that are of the same opinion. The fact is Keanu Reeves is such a massive star. 
yeah, he, demand, yeah. he, he, he demand he demands a lot of attention. He's got a lot. Not he demands, but I'm just saying, if he if he appears in something, you're mm-hmm. going to be like, "It's Keanu Reeves!" Wow, and yeah. it just felt like he's too big for that game. I don't I think they really, like, really. I don't see why they really need that profile anyway, because it's it's a pretty sought after game anyway, isn't it? It's been hyped up, and there's a lot of excitement around it anyway. So it's why so exciting. It's just a bit overkill, isn't it? A bit, you know. Very exciting, the game. Nathan, you've mentioned it quite a lot. I mean, um, the fact that there's no co-op is disappointing because, or multiplayer. I mean, me and Nathan, we play quite a lot of, um, whether it's DayZ or whether it's Sea of Thieves or any other sort of co-op game like the Call of Duty Warzone, whatever. Or um, Division 2, which we've, we've played quite a lot of, yeah. Yeah, we played yeah. Division 2. Um, it's like... That's for me. That's my my gaming is social time a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Just because being a parent, you don't often get a lot of time, and when you no. do get time, it's like I can play a single player game, obviously, but sometimes I might just want to use that time for socialising as well, because I don't do a lot of socialising um, in general. I think you know I do at work. I mean, at work I chat to people, um, and a lot of them I get on really great with. But I don't really socialise with them out of work. So I have that little bit of social, but obviously I mean, I've not been working much lately with all this crap. Um, but uh, like, like I say, the, the lack of it for me is another reason not to buy it. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. so uh, that and... So you're looking forward to Odyssey as well, you say? Odyssey, yeah. And um, the, other, the other big one that's coming out is, um, for me, you might not be aware of this one, is uh, Blood Bowl 3 is coming out start of next oh. year. I See, I so thought that Blood your Blood Bowl 2 might be too big and it might be the sort of game that they wouldn't have a, a like a sequel. They might just expand on it. No. No, they've gone for Blood Bowl 3 because they've brought out... Uh, they brought out... Because obviously it's a, it's a tabletop game, isn't it? So it's a, it's a simulation of the tabletop game. Yes. And what they've done is the Games Workshop have brought out Blood Bowl 2020. Well, we call it Blood Bowl 2020 in the Blood Bowl community. But they call it Season 2 or something like that, they call okay. it. And that's, that's come out. Um, so they've so they've done the game as well to reflect the new rules and changes. What's happened is, uh, but Blood Bowl Two came out. It pretty much followed the rule set that was sort of active at the time in Blood Bowl. And as Games Workshop are like, they they sort of changed some of the rules uh, in in some of the additions that come out. The game didn't reflect that. The game stayed as it was um, because they couldn't really change the game. They couldn't really patch it to to match the new rules because it would have um, pissed off a lot of the people who. If you've got a team in there, you've played over and over again, you've built it up, you've spent hours and hours getting this team really good and, and and whatever, and then you change a rule which sort of nerfs one of your best players, you're yeah. not going to be very happy with the game. So they, they they left it. The developers left the game as it was. Well, the rules got so far ahead now, and now they brought a whole new edition, completely changed the rules around the Blood Bowl, the tabletop game. It's a different game now, pretty much. They've changed lots of stuff. I think they wanted to bring a game out to reflect that, so they brought out Blood Bowl Three. So, so are you looking forward to it? Are you looking forward to the changes? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. It, it's it's like a, there's a lot of people aren't, as you can imagine, uh, and then there's some people that are. I'm sort of in the middle. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun relearning stuff. The problem is, there's a lot of players out there who have a set. They know. They know that that team, they're really good with that team. They know how to build the team. They know how to play the team. They know how to counter other teams. They're really good with that team. Then then guess what? You come and change the rules on them. 
it makes all that knowledge pointless. We've got to relearn now, and they don't like it. But for me, I like that because it gets a bit boring. I think if it, if it just stays the same anyway, and, and it's fun learning the new strategies, trying new things out. It's, it's much more interesting, you know, than just just owning owning everybody because you're really good at a team. So yeah, I think that's quite a good open way of looking at it because. Mm. I think a lot of people might just not play it anymore. They might or not buy it or just be like, I'm done. Yes yeah, and no, but it's a games workshop game. So yeah, they buy it and they just moan about it. But they still okay. won't buy it. Because <laughs> they're, uh, they're addicted to plastic crack at the end of the day. They like those <laughs> monsters. They like, they, like, they like the hobby side of it, they like the painting, the collecting. And if they just sort of cut themselves off from that, that that's the whole, um, their whole pastime gone, isn't it? So they, they have to keep current with it, whether they like right. it or not. They do. And, Games so Workshop know that as well and uh, capitalise on it too. So, um, but with Blood Bowl, they've not been so bad. I mean, some of the other things like the, I think like with your Warhammer 40Ks, I mean, I don't really play that and, and um, Fancy Battle. I, I remember as a kid really get, being into it. Yeah, you know, as a teenage boy, you love that sort of stuff. And um, but I could never keep up with it because I, I, I mean, I didn't come from a poor family, but we weren't that well off either. I couldn't keep my my parents who had the money couldn't keep up with the hobby because yeah. they bring something out for a year or two. You buy the armies, you do all this, and then they release another another edition, and those armies and those rules become obsolete, and you have to buy new stuff and new rules, and yeah, and then they yeah. change it again. It's like it comes a point where you have to question: Are they changing this for the good of the game, or are they changing this to generate revenue and sell more more stock? And I think yeah. with games, fortunately, it was the latter a lot of the time. I think capitalism. Yeah, I think capitalism definitely. Yeah, wasn't so bad. Blood Bowl, they've not really touched. Blood Bowl, they dropped for years. They got brought out third edition back in God knows early nineties, I think, uh, and then they dropped the game for like sixteen years or something. They just dropped it. Oh, didn't do it anymore. Didn't support it. But it has such a loyal fan base that the players wanted to carry on, so they formed their own organization called the NAF. Um, and the NAF governed the whole thing, sorted out tourneys, put out a rule set, updated the rules. So there was a what was called the living rule book of rules that was slightly changed every now and then through a committee who'd look at rule changes. And so it was all organised. It was carried on by the fans and the players, carried it on. Come 2016, I think Games Workshop noticed this, thought some good revenue in this. It's got a very loyal following. So they picked it back up and they brought out Blood Bowl 2016. But unfortunately, the, the, they um, and a lot of these websites produce the fan websites. They shut down. They put um, like cease and desist notice on them for copyright mm. infractions because it's their property. Of course, and, yeah. And close them down. And there was a bit of friction in the community at the time with that. I think um, it's before I got back into it. I played it as a kid tabletop, and then uh, probably about 2017, 2018, I got back into the um, tabletop version via the um, Bible Bowl 2, uh, to be honest. And then I started playing at a local league here, the tabletop version. Um, so that sort of got me back into it properly. Uh, and then I started my own league online in Blood Bowl 2, which is doing really well. So, uh, yeah, I dropped Elite for that. So. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, well, of course. I remember you playing and then we noticed on Steam that you'd be like, we'd, we'd be on. And then Nathan would be like, oh, Russell's on. Oh, he's playing Blood Bowl again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah. obviously, we're all stuck at home, and um, something that me and Nathan have spoke about before, but something that um, 
Nathan suggested that we definitely have a talk about was um, your children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all dads here, and this is part of our cast was to um, highlight the uh, the pressures, the pain, the joy, everything to do with being a parent. We actually have a podcast on um, sort of fatherhood and talking about parents, whether you find that interesting. Uh, might be worth a quick check if you ever get time. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's like, was it our second one? Third yeah. one? Second, second one. Might be the second one. It was one of the main ones that we brought out. Um, but we wanted to talk. So me and you, we have a lot not in common, but we also have some things in common. Yeah. That yeah. We, can, we can definitely sort of uh, bond over and chat about was homeschool. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I um, homeschool one of my children. I have four children. Um, my oldest daughter went through school more or less okay, a little bit of bullying. She went to a different school, got through it, fine. Um, my second, my boy, Jack, he's flying through school. He is, I don't want to say that he's the perfect child to have in a school, but I have had literally zero zero problems with him. He yeah, has just is. flown through school and he's doing really well. School is an environment that he thrives in um, yeah. so much. My youngest, Holly... She goes to the same school as Jack. Now, Jack is in his second year of sixth form. So yeah. My youngest is in year seven, and she's already had a warning for her behaviour. They like those they like in school. They like the warning. There's too many. <laughs> yeah, there's too much. There's too much. There's a bit of a punishment um, environment at school, I think. Um, some of the kids feel it more than others, obviously. Like, she's very individual. She's very chatty, and she got moaned at. And they got they have these levels of, like, they call it a C1, C2. Do they do that at your kids' school, Nathan? Do yeah. they do that? Yeah, it's the same thing, yeah. The, 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 they go by this, this C. It's a consequence, yeah. the C is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like consequence C1. One, consequence to, oh, dear, okay. Yeah, so they go one, two, three. Four is a detention. So if you get a C4... I'm like, it's a bomb! And they were like, no, it's a detention! I'm like, it's the same thing! Um, but she, so my daughter's at home, and she said, uh, we mentioned it before, didn't we, how um, she's talking, she, oh yeah, I got, I got a C1, which is basically being told to shut up, you know, all right, yeah. calm down, be quiet. It's just, it's, I don't know why they even label it. It should just be, you know when the teacher would turn around and go, all right, stop chatting. It's literally yeah. that. But they could, oh, that's a C1. And they like put it on the board. They'll be like, Holly, C1, like that on the board. Uh, to add this, to add a bit of extra pressure to the day, yeah. you know, because that's what kids really want. And um, she said at home, I've got C1. My son's like, you what? Because he has never had anything like that. And I was just <laughs> like, this is a this is a, an interesting balance of how your children come out. One's like super school nerd. And the other one's like, just like, I don't know, running around screaming at school and doing, doing what she wants. But the episode, this conversation is more geared towards my third child, Paige, doing well at school, a little bit of bullying in juniors, but I think it was n- nothing too excessive. Um, just, you know, the, every school has them shit little kids that think they can, sorry, shit little kids. Or if you're a parent of a shit little kid, they do exist. They, yeah. um, it's just a, it's just a kid that, just was being horrible to my my daughter and i think it was more or less getting better near the end she went to secondary school and um have you heard the expression um school refusal no i'm right, not so in the system so i don't know a lot of the terminology now they use so. well it's, it's it's this is more or less something that they in the in the home ed community it's something that's brought up uh, it's, uh, it's called uh-huh. school refusal so it's to do with a mass of anxiety and 
basically she was refusing to go to school. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So she would like be getting ready in the morning in a in a so-so fashion, but then yeah. come to getting out the door, the impact it would be like, oh, I've got to go to school. You know, like that. You get ready for work, but then as soon as you get to the door, it's like it's like right, I've got to go to work. You know, it's starting now, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And um, it it was got to a point where I would have to drag her up the road. Like mm-hmm. literally be holding a hand and pulling her up the road. She'd be screaming, crying, and we'd try and work mm-hmm. around it. Sometimes she'd be okay. And um, they, yeah, they call it school refusal. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being that, you know, there were some kids that she didn't like, but that wasn't a big problem. And then there were some teachers she didn't like. That was another thing. And then there was other bits and bobs, and it all accumulated into this little ball of stress mm-hmm. that we couldn't get rid of. The school couldn't yeah. deal with it and she was just it got to the point where then she wouldn't get out of bed so it got worse and worse and worse so we took her out of school yeah and the next day she was a different child she went from a a little kid that this is bearing in mind this is only one out of my four you know the other three are going the school system and they're fine with it and i'm fine with them being in it Mm -hmm. but one of one of mine was not suited to that environment so we took her out and now we homeschool her. But you, you're different to me. You homeschool all of your children. Yeah, yes. And, yeah. I, and um, Nathan, if you'd like to carry on from here, because I've been uh, waffling along. Yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite. All, all my kids are at, well, my eldest left school, but mine, uh, mine is still at school, but I'm, I'm a little bit biased because my wife's a teacher, so I can't. I don't have a choice in that, so I won't be able to get out of that. But um, yeah, I just thought we could talk about what what positive what positive things you think you can bring from homeschooling, but it's averse to the general school system. Um, yeah, I mean we, I mean we 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 took. We went down the, the homeschooling route with our eldest. Uh, she had a bad experience at school. Um, she's um, she's autistic, high functioning. And um, she just, they just didn't cope very well with with her at school. Um, she had, she didn't refuse to go. She went, but it'd be a, a nightmare to get there. So she'd take ages in the shower in the morning, getting ready. She's autistic anyway, so she struggles with things like buttons, getting dressed, all this sort of stuff without a lot of prompting anyway. So we'd get there. We were, we'd always be late because she'd be hard to get there on time. Um, we got marked down for that. We we got in prob with in strife as parents because I think they just assume we were just like lazing in bed and this sort of stuff. Yeah. But, um, but the, the, there's, there's no system to cope if you're not doing that to sort of give you a pass and say, well, that's the struggling for this. Uh, the struggling for this reason, we explain to them the reason, but this is pre-diagnosis for my eldest, um, Freya. She, so they didn't, we didn't have an official label for what she was struggling with at the time. They just had a markdown as defiant. They said she was defiant. Uh, she wouldn't do what she was told. Um, uh, she was just autistic and acting in, in, in a quite a typical autistic way in school, like uh, wanting to play games her way. Um, this is lower down. So she went to she went to preschool. She went to she went to uh, like yeah preschool like nursery there. Then she did her preschool. So nursery preschool. Then year one, year one she lasted a month. Um, and we took her out. Um, there was an incident with a girl, there, another incident where she got frustrated and she waved a pencil around to her like this. And she she caught a girl on the face with this pencil and they excluded her for the day. They excluded her for the rest of the day and we got dragged in and, and got told off. And 
it just wasn't for her and they, they didn't have the uh, systems to for some reason they didn't have the systems or weren't willing to help her they just ended up excluding her she ended up sat in a room on her own with a teaching assistant for most of the day sort of without being around all the other kids and stuff like this because the I think it's the struggle because there's you got 30 kids in that you'll know from your wife that you got 30 odd kids in that classroom and you've got to you've got to teach 30 of them to the best of your ability altogether so I think a lot of teaching isn't isn't so much teaching it's more managing children isn't it a lot of the day is going to be 100%. like managing them yeah. um, you can't sort of give that one to one to she the effect on on Frey was she was um, withdrawn it wasn't our daughter anymore she was unhappy she'd come home she'd be exhausted she'd just sleep and she was she, she'd be limp and we said this isn't right so my missus said look why don't we homeschool her and I was like are you crazy like that's like weirdos do that and it's a weird thing to do it's still, it just seems strange it never was an option to me kids go to school you know like I did yeah yeah when I looked at it and I thought well she was right actually looking at it and looking how it was affecting Freya I thought yeah, it's probably right and the idea was we'll take her out we'll get her back to sort of back to herself we'll do it for a year or two when it gets too much or she needs to go back in we'll put her back into school and then yep. we started looking into it uh how you do this homeschooling thing and in the end we settled on um we settled on quite a free sort of form of home education for her which is uh child-led so if they lead themselves in it they learn what they want to learn the subjects they want to learn they learn um so if it's, it might be dinosaurs it might be sharks whatever catches their attention or they're interested in uh like for my lad it's, he loves his gaming so he learns around gaming and games and things like this and we just feed into that the, the base stuff they need to know so like the english the maths the core skills they're going to need to know they learn them but they learn them in relation to dinosaurs or a computer game they're playing or something like this and the rest of it they just follow their interests and learn that way and because we did it with freya we did it with Jakey, my lad now who's nine. Uh, we did it with him. He's never been in school ever. He's always been home educated. And then uh, our, because I've got five kids, and then our uh, Tilly, my youngest daughter, she's five, so she'd just about be going up to school and stuff now. But we're all set up to home educate. We're, we're here, we can do it. We're here doing it, and we have done it all along. So we're saying, well, for Tilly, we're not so sure about. We, we think she might do better in school with that sort of environment. She might be better with in the classroom and doing all that. We don't think Jakey will. Jakey's dyspraxic. Um, he struggles. He's very, he's a very gentle boy. <clears throat> we think he'll struggle if he gets bullied. He'd be prime target for it. He really would. Um, he, and I don't think he'd be able to handle it. But so we think he'd be better off home educated, to be honest, just to spare him that. Um, and um, he's happy doing it too. And then. Uh, but our littlest daughter, maybe not. She might be okay at school. We don't know. But we just assess it as we go. We've never written it off. We've never said they're not going to school. I mean, we do have some, <clears throat> looking into it myself, I do have some sort of ideological differences with the school system, should we say, these days, um, once I've bothered to actually look into it on this journey we've had. And there's some things about school which are the way they do things. I see why they have to do it that way. But I'd, I'd choose not to have my children have it done that way to them if you follow me. Um, have, you got any exam- have you got any examples of that? Yeah, I mean, some of these, like the um, like the whole discipline side of things, it seems to me like they, they, they have to 
you've got 30 children you have to control that class so if you have one child who's a bit of a bright spark who's who's better but who's better uh, who's more of a kinetic kind of learner and is better at moving around standing up like my lad he can't sit down he'll do the work he'll learn things but he has to stand up he has to be moving about he can't sit down and do it you try and make him sit down it shuts him down he'd never cope in school but they wouldn't allow him to stand up and learn or move around the classroom. He'd have to sit where he's sitting. He wouldn't be able to walk around, jump about, because you have to sit there and do what you're with, with Freya, it was like story time. Sit on the mat. We're going to do a story. Well, she couldn't cope with that. It, was, it wasn't kind of her thing. She was too ants in the pants with things. So yeah. what, what to do to control that? You have to try. So they try and discipline them then. So then it's like, right, we're going, you're, you're on a chart on the wall. You've been moved down to the red section at the bottom of the time. That's how they did it. You'd be moved down to the bottom section here. I mean, I mean, I've done some. I did. I toyed with being a TA. I've always been into training and education and stuff myself. And um, I did a bit of TA training on a GMVQ a couple of years ago. Until I realised it wasn't. There's no way I could. Uh, my my partner doesn't work. She's at home with the kids most of the time. I, I work. I'm out of work at the moment and retraining. But um, uh, um, I toyed with. I was out of work and I toyed with, um, well, I was working evenings because I was doing um, hospitality work. I was doing a course in the day, which was a TA course. And um, it, it was really good. I, I did it for about uh, about eight months. I did it for, but I felt really bad because I would be put with like the kids who were struggling. And it seemed in the system they used there in that school that they didn't have really didn't have ways of coping or helping those kids so for example uh english uh literature or, or comprehension i'd be put with the kids who struggled to read so they're slower readers but they needed to read they needed that practice so you get them to read it out they take the time they get to the bottom of it you go to the first question and the teacher say right pack up your books it's maths time now yeah well they haven't done any of the comprehension because they're slower reading they don't they weren't given the time they didn't get they didn't get anything out of that half hour work apart from a bit of reading practice. They, they weren't doing any comprehension. They were just reading something. They weren't doing the work fully. And there was no scope for them to be given a bit of extra time to do the questions because no, we've got to do maths now. Everyone's got to do maths. And then a similar story with the math sets. So you'd have a group of kids put together who were struggling with maths. And they, don't, they don't get the, given the time to learn stuff, I, I found. Um, it, it just seemed to be that they were being let down quite a lot. Um, the kids there, some of the kids, uh, the slower guys. It just seems to me like mainstream education is aimed for the me, the middle, the middle kids. It's great for the middle kids. They're, they're not the brightest. They're not the ones who are struggling with a subject. They're sort of in the middle, steady. That's great for them. But the brightest and the ones who are struggling, I think, have a tendency to get left behind a little bit in the school system. Um, and and um, I mean that's a bit of a weakness with it. I think for, for myself uh, when yeah. I look after. I think that's one of the major problems with mainstream school is that it's not evolving fast enough. To it's yeah. you got like set a precedent in Victorian times that this is the way that you learn. This you sit here, you listen, you get told what to do, and you show it while you do it. And I yeah. think it is evolving slightly, but I don't think it's evolving fast enough to catch up to children that do have I these extra needs. And I don't think there's will is that I don't think I don't think just to get a bit political. I don't think the political will's there to do it. I think. I think that the I think they they want they don't want they don't necessarily want your average kid to be some kind of world-beating genius who's going to change everything and question things and get what they want is someone who's willing to sort of do what we all do 
and, and be happy in it, I suppose. And that's, you know, yeah. you do you, you do you go to work, you do your job, you respect authority at work, you do what your boss tells you to do. You don't make too many ripples there because you lose your job, you come home yeah. and then you, and you get on and then you retire and you're like in your 60s or 70s, you retire and then you have a little quiet life and you've done that, you sort of worked for the boss and the company and done all that and made money for them, kept the machine sort of going and that's kind of what they want. I don't think they want people coming through school who are going to be firebrands when they come out and think, well, hold on, this isn't right, that isn't right. Let's change this, let's change that. I've had this brilliant idea for this and the other. I don't think they necessarily want that. Um, I'm not saying the educators don't. I think they'd love it. But I think the powers that be, the government, the, the, the top people, want to keep the status quo a little bit more. And that starts with education, starts with children. And I've said it, and I'm, <clears throat> I've said it before, I think it's some of it's quite... It can be quite indoctrination in seen as indoctrination in a way it's a bit of an extreme way of putting it and perhaps i've been a bit over the top sometimes with my, with my comments and arguments I've, I've i'm estranged from some of my family for saying these things because they uh, my eldest sister for a start is a she's a teacher she's she works with ofsted doing inspections and things yeah. as well she's all right though she's not fell out with me it's my younger sister's fell out with me because i criticized schools and said it's just a victorian system it's a process for yeah. producing drones who are happy to work in factories and stuff like that and it's still the same now and that's not what i want for my kids and she took on bridge about my young sister so, so you're saying that your nephews are drones and all this I said, no i'm just saying that that's the system anyway <laughs> it was a big battle online and we haven't spoke for about four years so believe it or not wow. so um wow. it, it's, it's quite a sore subject so i have to be sort of careful i've been a bit more careful these days how i talk about it but yeah uh it's not great it's not a great system, I don't think, for, for kids. And if you can do it yourself, why not? And we believe in letting the kids letting the kids be kids and, and learn like kids would. You know, they learn by doing things themselves, being out in the world, doing stuff, going places, experiencing stuff, rather than being sat in a classroom, being told stuff. Uh, I know you, I know they do field trips, they do stuff like that. But our, our education system here at home is, is 100% a field trip all the time. You know, that's what they do. They learn from yeah. field trips, pretty much what they do. And they, they sit at home and learn stuff as well. But it's through playing, it's through what they want to be doing, not but what they've been told to do. And I just prefer that for my kids, really, I think. So that's why we, we go down the line of all of them being home educated, think, to set up for it, you know. I think, you've, I think you've put out some really good points. I think um, there's a lot of people that may have heard of homeschooling, just think it's for hippies. And I'm vegans. I'm vegans, yeah. yeah. But I think, I think you've put out some good points. I think uh, it's very valid what you do. Um, Harold, Harold, are you older? Harold is your oldest. Sorry, she's uh, just turned thirteen. Thirteen. She's 13 so going on about eighteen at the minute. <laughs> so my home, my homeschool daughter is fourteen. So similar age. Yeah. What what happens? Um, what happens with her? Um, as as a, um, this is something that I'm dealing with at the moment. But what right. happens from her going forward now? We got her, her we... age. Well, we spoke about this and, and we're aware that she's going to need some sort of qualifications. So she's got things she's interested in. She's she's really interested in art. She spends a lot of her time is done just doing artwork and art and drawing. She's getting really good at it. So we let her pursue that. We give her a head with that and let her get on with it. We, we're aware that Freya isn't very academic. She struggles with it um, for whatever reason, which is fine. We would like her to get some GCSEs. So what we're looking at doing now is we, rather than her doing like four or five in one go, what we're looking at doing now is 
maybe saying right English we're, you're going to get your English GCSE and we're going to study for that we're going that's going to be your study now your studying bits is going to be looking at getting your English and getting a, a GCSE in that or the maths or whatever we do um, and we'll do one at a time but we'll go early so basically she'll spend a year or two now learning um, I think we've got to do an English at the moment doing the uh, coursework to pass the English GCSE uh, English uh, literature uh, GCSE and we'll put her in for that as soon as we think she's ready we'll put her in for it even if she's a bit younger um, but once she's learnt it she, she's learnt it you know and then once she's got that one we'll move on to the next one so we, we've, we're afraid we're going to do one exam one qualification at a time i think so she gets there she doesn't get overwhelmed and she gets some quality out of it and in the meantime she's just maintaining her interest and doing the artwork and all this sort of stuff so i mean that's have how thought, we... yeah have you looked at the um functional qualifications as opposed to a traditional gcse uh no so the i mean a, G, a gcse was we had a, a guy from the education authority turn up at our door the other day I'll get onto that in a second. Um, but um, my wife was dealing with it and then I turned up and I was like, look, I'll deal with this because I kind of know a little bit more about it. And he, as soon as I started talking, he was like, oh, okay, you know what's on. Um, so um, a traditional GCSE, it's like maybe 30% useful, but the rest is superfluous crap that no one ever cares about. Yeah. And yeah. the guy who I was talking to I'll go on to him now, agreed with me. He says, oh, have you thought about getting your door in some qualifications? I went, what, like a traditional GCSE? He says, you know that m most of that is just nonsense. And he went, he's like, yeah, have you thought about a functional qualification? So you can do functional English and functional maths. Oh, now, a lot of employers nowadays, um, ones that I'll say ones that are worth the salt, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's quite right, but ones that understand qualifications will look at a functional one and go, that's okay if you get a good functional grade, it means that you can deal with everyday maths that we all use. And then you get some stuff you won't necessarily use, but a lot of it, like, I don't know, the kind of algebra that my son was showing me, I'm mm. like, he needs to learn this to get yeah. his decent GCSE, but he doesn't need it for anything other than getting his decent GCSE grade. Yeah. So a functional qualification is something that an employer or um, an educator so let's say you put them through the functional you can go to college so my daughter is sounds similar to yours she's very she's very artistic and we've th we've been chucking a lot of english at her just lately and mm. she started to story tell and she's learning how to put this all together and it's what she's coming out with is brilliant yeah. and i i feel that she'd be better off doing that and then mm -hmm. she can go to college Mm -hmm. and be like this is the course i want to do she might end up going on a slightly lower level but what they'll do is they'll assess her and mm -hmm. if she is uh, at a good functional level they mm -hmm. could put her up in a higher group don't think that a traditional gcse is the only way forward there are other yeah. options and it might be worth just digging in mm -hmm. and, and finding it yeah, well, we're lucky. We're we're quite in close, quite in quite close contact with our um, LEA anyway. Here we have been all the way through, really. Um, so uh, we can we can talk to him about that sort of stuff. So that's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Have you? Um, so re for many years, you've not had to um, give a report of what you're doing. You don't need to give evidence. But I think last year it all changed. So now they expect you to give a report on what you're doing. Do you do you do that? I didn't. I didn't know it had changed. To be honest, our LEA hasn't. Um, 
because we haven't um, and we no we haven't done that has, has that definitely gone through or is that just something because so, the LEA sometimes they like to sort of throw their weight around don't they and claim things that aren't true and yeah. stuff like that Cause, yeah uh, so a lot of people that I know in the groups will often just they'll turn up and they'll just, they'll just be like I, I haven't got an appointment with you what do you want um, yeah. you've got no authority and then you just shut the door on them yeah. Um but yeah, apparently this is what I told him. I said, "Look, I don't need to give you anything. No offense, but I don't need to give, supply you anything." He's like, "What are you doing?" I went, "Well, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. The 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 way the um, not Scottish, but the way that the English laws work is that you can give any education as long as you're giving an education." Now, there's also an argument that life itself is an education, yeah. but I think that's that's a bit here and there really yeah, that's like a... otherwise isn't it they call it an, edu- an education otherwise so you've got school and you've got an education otherwise like a, yeah and it can be anything yeah it can be anything that you throw at them um but yeah so i, I was telling this to him and he went oh no it's all changed so apparently there's been a big change last year and i said to him no one's told me about this yeah i'm on i'm on a list that says you know this girl is home ed so why wouldn't you tell me about this then i could write down what she's doing and I don't mind doing it but I'm like don't just throw it at me without like where is it I'm like well you didn't ask me for it so going on to I want to jump to France for a second France have recently banned home education for children Um, and a lot of it is to do with families now specifically this stems off islamic families now i'm not attacking religion or race or anything it might come from that side of things yeah yeah but it's to do with them there's a fear of radicalization mm-hmm. to do with it could be anything it could be a christian family it could be a a non-religious family if you look at the home but, educators in america that's the situation there is it you get quite a lot of fundamental christians who home mm-hmm. educate because they don't want their children being solid with these uh with these uh, corrupting values of society. Yes, the, so, these you know, horrible, these heathen atheists. Yeah, we, we just, we're just going to teach them the Bible. That's all they need to know. And they'll do that from home. Thank you very much. Kind of attitude. So it happens in America with Christians, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but do you feel that um, a ban on home ed is like, you think that's, do you think, that, uh, to make it simple, do you think that's right? No, I don't really. I think, I think we're, no, because we're responsible for our children's education. You may, um, you may uh, put that, not put it to one side, but you may um, pass that out to a, by putting them to state school, you may say, right, we want you to do this job for us, um, or we want you to do this, you're the experts. But then it's still your responsibility to see it's your child is, is getting that education. I don't think it's anybody else's right but the parents to... Um, uh, to yeah it's your responsibility as a parent i think to, to 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 provide that education whatever way you do it by yourself or someone else doing it for you that's kind of your job you know and and um and and if you're not happy with the way the school system is where does that leave you if you ban it what can you do do we have agency in the in education system? no we don't really in the state in the sense you do you can vote for a certain party that says it'll do something but it's very it's not a direct input that you have, is it? So yeah. I think to be to be fair, if they were going to do that, then I want to say in what she's learning at school, how she's learning it, how they're treating her and what they're doing about things, which won't yeah. happen. I don't think you can have it both ways. You know, either, either I can home educate my children 
or I can't. If I can't, I want to say now they're being educated by these people because they're my children. And that's for me to, if I, if I want to be involved in that, I should be able to be involved with that. And um, if you, if you ban home education, you're taking away that agency, aren't you, from the parents? You know, it's true. It's it's, it's definitely I think uh, something that they're going to have to. Um, they're trying to. Be, I think uh, there's lots of talk. There's a lot of talk in it, uh, and they keep trying it at, at, at the top level, at like parliamentary level. They keep trying to bring in rules, regulations, making it harder and harder. And and the the um, they're talking about now uh, having what you're talking about, but it hasn't become law, you know, which is. Um, we've been in discussions on groups they're trying to bring it in where there's a register where you have to register your home educator and provide the evidence like you're saying but that isn't yeah. law yet that's just something they're they're floating about it's not been passed through parliament it isn't the law so i'm gonna I'm have a i'm gonna have a overextending need... himself a little bit because maybe because that isn't the case because they keep trying this and they've tried they're trying it at the moment and the problem is i wouldn't mind but i don't think they look at it fairly because every time the same old anti-home education tropes come up that they quote all the time, even though they've been proved wrong or there's arguments against them. So this idea, the big one is um, socialisation of children. If you're at home with your kids, how are they socialising? They need socialising. Children need socialisation. And home educators' argument is, well, they are socialised. And in fact, we argue that putting them in a classroom of 30 kids, all the same age, isn't really true socialisation. And they're not they're learning some social skills, but not true ones, because where in your adult life are you ever in a situation where you're with 30 people, all the same age, from very similar backgrounds, all getting, it's a completely false social environment you're creating. Um, in real life, you meet different ages, different creeds, different colours, that's how you get on, that's the world, uh, in, in smaller groups as well normally. That's what our kids, that's how our kids learn to socialise. When we take them to groups and things like this, they're mixing with kids of different abilities. Some have things like some are, have struggles, so they have autism, dyspraxia. Some are completely um, neurotypical, as they say. Uh, so there's all those differences. They're different ages, different abilities, you know, and they all get on and they all learn together. For us, that's that's more of an important and a more useful social experience than whacking them in, in a class of 30 of the peers and saying, right, I've got to play together. It, 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 but this is always brought up. Oh, they're not socialised. They, they don't know how to socialise. You know, they're, they're, they're lacking this thing, but they're not. But they'll always bring it up and they'll use it as a stick to beat us with every time. Even So you have to go through the whole argument again. With them. No, this is fine. This is a better way of socialising. They do get socialised. They do have socialisation. So I don't always believe in what they're saying. I think, they, I think a lot of it's to do with control and to, do, to, to know what people are doing. And they like to know what they're doing, when they're doing things and they like to tell people how to do that and i think home educating is a little bit for them they haven't got control of it enough so they want to pull it back in and keep keep control of things i think a lot of it comes from there myself so yeah that's a very good point i think i'm um, having um like you say a big classroom full of kids that are all the same age it's it's not an, a natural environment for a child no. especially when there's like in real life if there's a bully or someone you don't like you can stay away from that person easily. Yeah. But in school, if there's someone you don't like or, or, or a bully, um, it's very hard to avoid that person. And it can bring on a lot of excess uh, anxiety and stress to that child. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very valid point. Nathan, did you have any other any pros and cons you wanted to mention? Uh, well, one of, funnily enough, you just discussed it because I wanted to uh, 
see what your view were on on some of the negative sides. Not not negative, but what what I deemed as negative. Yeah, some yeah. of them with with, with the social. Uh, but but yeah, I think you've I think you've hit the nail on the head with what you said. Um, what you said about that. Um, but no, there's other other than the positives which we've also picked up on about um, giving a like you said with your eldest daughter. Um, I mean, you can you can provide more time for her with, with being autistic. Um, it seems like the right environment and the right the right need for her. Um, yeah, um, I think I think I think that's a good good discussion. I think you've you've hit most of the most of the things. Um, How's lockdown affecting things um, homeschooling? I know cause not, we, not I'm, really. Yeah, I was going to say as much change. Not really affected us. We've had to do it. I, to some extent, in weird ways, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. it's put a, yeah. taken some pressure off us um, because uh, at the moment, um, I um, I uh, lost my job or was made uh, redundant. Um, quite a while ago before the twins were born and a year or so over a year and a half ago and it's just the way the situation was my partner is struggling with a few health problems at the moment which we won't go into but i needed to be at home essentially um around the kids um so we i was kind of a bit stuck um and i was looking for work but it had to be like work from home really and then the whole covid thing sort of kicked off and that sort of took the pressure off me really in a sense where i've got to go out and sort of desperately you know being uh everything was locked down so the pressure was taken off me having to go and just spend 30 hours a week searching for jobs and things like this because there weren't anywhere no one was working anyway so it gave me time to um sort of help i mean there's five, i've got five kids here so yeah so four there's a lot of work uh, especially with two babies as well at the time so that was nice in a way um so i'm not working i haven't been working so that's that's taking it off and because of the covid thing one good thing i will say that they've done one one good thing that they've done in the handling of it or how they've done it is they've they've i've managed to tap into some of the education that they're offering now for free which i couldn't get before funded so um i'm using this opportunity to retrain into something i really want to be doing rather than what i was doing which i just sort of fell into years ago and just kept on doing i wasn't very happy to be honest so uh, it's a blessing in disguise for me i've got the training for free and i've been given kind of given by accident been given the time to sit and do the training as well yeah. hopefully at the end of that i can get a job then where i'm working which is more ideal for me which will pay better um which may have some homeworking aspects to it because it's the whole coding programming kind of side of thing i'm going towards now away from logistics which i was working in so it's really it's actually been positive in that way you know yeah um and and the, the lockdown just took a lot of the outside pressures off no one expected you to be doing this going there and doing that you could do what kind of what you want to when within certain restrictions we, we were more happy you know so and we just come out of a whole year of being under um uh with social services um through uh sort of family support with them because of the because of the stuff that was happening around the family we were struggling a bit so we invited them something happened and we invited them we said yeah we could actually do with the support thinking there'd be a help and they weren't. Uh, they just basically just tried to get us to put our kids into school for a whole year and put us under immense pressure to do that, um, which wasn't good. And in the end, we sort of showed that we didn't need the support anymore. We got it sort of sorted out. And um, eventually when they did go, um, but I felt, I just felt there was a lot of pressure taken off when the, when the lockdown came in for that as well. Like we didn't have to be 
these sort of organizations the 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 sort of scrutiny sort of dropped from us we don't need we didn't need the scrutiny we felt we felt a bit hard done to by him to be honest and um it's kind of nice because that pressure was lifted as well this pressure of get your kids into school what you're doing to get them into school went as well so it, it was kind of good in a way but uh the kids have struggled a bit because they've been in the house a lot more than they would do the kids have struggled with the groups and things because we obviously can't do the home education groups which is which is the way we've been doing things and that's the problem now as well because obviously the kids have gone back to school they're sort of getting their socialization getting their education doing all that but a large part of the home educating sort of sort of, sort of way the way we've been doing it is um we can't do it anymore because the groups aren't running because you can't associate with like more than six people and all this business so yeah that's been detrimental i think that's been the downside to it um as, as for like pressures on the family as a whole and, and a sort of us, it, it was okay. It was fine. And we could observe the lockdown. There was no pressure on our kids going back to school. <clears throat> My partner has some health implications that, that COVID might not be, interact very well with, shall we say. So we've been, although she's not on the list of uh, shielded, we don't want her to get it. Um, so uh, it was very easy for us to maintain 100% lockdown here anyway, because I wasn't working. Kids weren't at school. So like no pressure. <laughs> we just stay in. It was okay. Yeah. It's just the fact that some shops are shut. I guess wasn't it for you? It's like the only real kind of one of the other differences. I guess was normal yeah, yeah. life. And the, and the... That that was one downside. So uh, I mean, Jakey, my nine-year-old, just got into jujitsu and he just got into a support and really enjoying it. And that stopped. Uh-huh. And it was a pain because we paid for like a year's sort of a year's. It's a yearly thing for the insurance and all that, and he gets his, his gear and all this stuff. We did that. He had about three months doing it, and then COVID happens. Mm. That's been for like the whole year. So that all that money for that for him to do it for you, and he's not to do. It. And he was really enjoying it, uh, and I'd love to have seen him gone up through to like black belt and stuff and done something like that. Um, I'm really proud to see him do that, but he can't, he can't because you can't do contact sports, can you? So that's gone. It'll come back. Point. It'll come yeah. back. His club's closed as well, so they closed his club. The the the, the organisation they've run several clubs in the area. That one, that location, they've closed. And it was ideal for us in walking distance, but they've shut it now. So you want to see if you can get some of that, some of that money back, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, don't, I feel maybe. bad there because they're only like a little thing. I'll, I'll let them have it. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. <laughs> keep them going. Yeah. Right, right. So we're just about ready to wrap up. Um, brilliant having Russell on. Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I, I realise I've not mentioned my uh, Blood Bowl League that, I, that I'm commissioner of uh, online. So um, I'm quite so like one of my proudest gaming achievement, and we didn't it didn't sort of come up. But uh, yes, yeah, so I left Elite didn't I, to, to start that up. Come from dead gaming dance, um, yep. and I, I sort of noticed around there's a lot of private leagues in the game. So you've got the you've got the online leagues that the, that the devs provide, like the open leagues and things, but they're full of. Um, full of uh, quitters and people like that. You get all sorts in there. It's not, that's not where the real game's at. There's in the private leagues. The private leagues tended to be very, quite intense, I found. I played in a few. I had to play like a game a week, which doesn't sound too bad. But then when you've got five kids, the family, some weeks you, it's just a struggle to do, you know. So I thought, well, maybe there's room for more, a bit more of a relaxed kind of league where we have like, you get two weeks to play your game and it's a bit more chilled out and a bit less sort of intense. It tends to be quite a lot of... Um, cliqueiness in those leagues as well so you have the top coaches have been there for ages and they sort of all chat together in the discord and if you sort of try and interject or talk to them they sort of like ignore you and just talk amongst themselves it's a bit it's a bit like a little club you know i didn't like yep. that 
I said, what we need is more an inclusive thing. It's a bit more relaxed. It's still blood bowl. It's still intense on the pitch. You still try and win, you know, but we're kind of a bit more gentlemanly about the game. And, you know, you shake hands at the end, good game, move on and, and you know, build it, do that. So I set it up and I did it through gaming dads for a bit uh, just to get the initial coaches in and stuff. And then we got bigger and bigger. Um, I think about, about the third season, we split from gaming dads, a bit like um, Fathers of the Void did uh, split yes. away from them just because they were restricting us we were trying to organize a tabletop um event where we could all meet in real life which we did um and, and do it that way um but they wouldn't let us use the gaming dads name because the gaming dads blood bowl league they wouldn't let us do it because of their copyrights what? and stuff. copyrights yeah. and because we what what you do with the tournament scene what you do is you charge a nominal fee so it's like 10 pounds to come and play in that you get like you get like uh, you know your food, you get all this stuff, and you get you get three games of Blood Bowl, and and what you do is you take that money and you put it into prizes. So so if someone gets so you have people take something home as well. So you put a bit of money in, but you get something out of it. You know you get a set of dice, you get maybe a team, a Blood Bowl team. Whoever wins it gets something. You know it goes into all this stuff. It's a good way of doing it. But because we were asking people for a tenner, suddenly that's now a commercial thing, and we we're using the gaming dads trademark name to, to market it therefore we'd have to give them a cut or something like this it complicated their accounts or stuff it's like oh fuck. so i said look and i was really nervous to do it because i felt really bad but i said i said look i think we need to move on we need to change it and and they were really nice about it they get yeah, said to be honest we thought so too so we had to redo it so me and the guys my admin team um we all got together and it was like four or five of us and um we said oh, what we're we gonna do so we just basically just changed the name Remarketed a bit, and then we turned it into the uh, totally relaxed Blood Bowl League, uh, which is the TRBL, because <laughs> that's what it is. It's like a relaxed Blood Bowl built around community. The, the, everyone gets on. We don't allow any BS in there. Like, there's no name calling or fighting. Anyone who just does any of that, there's no um, conceding in the game. Even once you, because we're all busy, if you set aside that time to play, you, you play that game. Because uh, if you if you quit, like rage quit halfway through. That person you're playing against might have spent, might not played for like a week because he's busy. Set some time aside. It might be his only game he's going to get like that week or that fortnight even. For you then to rage quit after on the third turn because something went wrong, that's kind of robs him, hasn't it? So no concedes, none of this sort of stuff that you get online that makes the game not that enjoyable. Um, so we brought these there's a few rules in. The main rule is just don't be a dick, basically. Just don't be a dick. Just be all right and we all get on. And we built up a really nice little community through it. And um, yeah, we're uh, yeah we're on like season seven now. Four hundred, nearly four hundred coaches in the Discord. Probably about two, three hundred active coaches worldwide. We've got people from Russia. We've got people from Malta. People from Brazil, America. Loads of Americans. Loads of Europeans. We've even got our, our own Australian sort of division in there and everything. So going really That's... well. Yeah. Yeah. That is really impressive. I think that yeah. you've done something really good there. That's brilliant. We'll pop a if you, you send me the link, I'll pop it down down below. Um okay. for anything. Well, I don't know if you've got a site or is it a Facebook group? We've got whatever. a Facebook page, yeah, yeah, we've got a Facebook page, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll do it. Um yeah. Is that was that everything? 
That's it. Yeah, that was it. Just wanted to get that one in there. Yeah. Yeah, for, get it for in. all the guys, all the coaches, TRBBL. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely been amazing having you on, Russell. I think um, we've uh, only chatted a little bit uh, through Discord and our interactions through Facebook, which have sometimes been good, sometimes been interesting. I won't say bad. I never. I don't think it's bad. I think it's interesting. And, and, and yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. Great. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Been good. Yeah. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear more from us. I've been Nathan. I've been Lee. I've been Russ. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Brilliant. Cheers, guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast, Sages Retreat. You can find us on Spotify, Facebook, Podcast Addict, Google Podcasts, and of course, YouTube. Thank you.